Welcome to the Known Legacy Podcast, by Dads for Dads, coming at you from the Lone Star State Cigar Shop in Allen, Texas. For more info, go to www.knownlegacy.org or look for us on social media under Known Legacy. Now here's your host, Bill and Travis. So I'm not a big NBA fan, but uh, Santana, I guess, had a chance to play the national anthem at the opening game of the uh, finals. And uh, it reminded me of when I was back in, in, in uh, I think, 12, 13 years old, I got my first guitar. And I had no clue how to play this thing. And so the first thing that I did was I started listening to music, trying to learn or hear what other guitars were doing. So the first guy I fell in love with was Edge from U2. Loved Edge from U2. And I would try to play what he's playing, but the problem is he has $5,000 worth of equipment behind him that makes his guitar sound like what it sounds like. And I'm like, I can't do that. I don't have that. So I stumbled onto a band named 77s. Most guys have never heard of them. They're a Christian band from the late 80s, early 90s. And uh, the lead singer is this amazing guitarist. His name is, is uh, Mike Rowe. Not the guy from Dirty Jobs, but Mike Rowe. And he, his album, Sticks and Stones, still one of my favorite albums, he just shredded it. And he just played, and the songs like reflected like the angst of being a teenager and the reality of being a Christian in this world. And it was just amazing. And, and, and I guess to start the podcast off today, we have a, a special guest with us. We wanted to talk about when we come into a situation that we may not find the skills or have the skills initially, we often will look to other guys to teach us or to guide us or to give us insights. We do that in many areas of our lives, but I think one of the challenges is we dads don't do that often. Most dads are not out there looking for other guys that are dads and doing it really well and thinking to ourselves, wow, I have to do that more. Um, we try to figure it out ourselves. We try to um, you know, just plow through and say, I'll try this this month and then we'll do something else. And I guess that's when Bill and I are doing this podcast, that's one of the things we want to do for you is, is maybe just maybe somehow God would use this in a way to say, I can do this. This is a better way to do this. And it's not because Bill and I have figured it out. You guys have listened. We, know, we have not figured it out. But we're having honest conversations. And when we see guys that have done some great things, not perfect, but some redemptive things, we try to sit them in the chair across from us and have a conversation. So I want to introduce everyone to you. His name's Brian. Good day. <laughs> what am he, I supposed to say? He, he, he has a voice that uh, secretly, uh, if I could have him read me bedtime stories every night, I would. Uh, is that fair to say? That is extremely fair to say. Um, as, he, as we were even <clears throat> checking mics, I'm like, I'm going to have you read my Bible to me every morning <laughs> when I get up. So anyways, uh, so Brian's here with us. Uh, I've known Brian for, what, uh, eight years now, I guess? At least. And uh, it's been fun to see him. So kind of, you know, Bill and I, our situation is we have kids in the teenage years all the way down to, um, you know, eight, nine, ten years old. And so we're kind of in the midst of the battle right now. We are in the midst of the fight. Brian, he has two boys. They are grown. They are out of the house for the most part, which is success in this culture. And um, they're doing great things. They're finding themselves. Yeah. One just got married this past summer. Um or this past winter. This past winter. And, uh, and so that's awesome. So, Brian, uh, just a little bit, introduce yourself to us. I'm Brian. I don't know what, what else to say beyond that. Uh, been married 36 years yesterday. That is incredible. That is incredible. 36 and I got the years. number right. Uh, even though when I called the restaurant for reservations, I said 35. 
So I hope they don't bring a cake with the number 35 on it and have my wife stare at me. You can so be I, like, what is this? I said 36. That's right. I got This is free. That's right. I'm going to call them back to make sure they get 36 down. So, so Brian, let's start back with um, you and kind of the legacy that was, that was you. Tell us about growing up. Sure. Um, and uh, dad, figure, no figure. Just tell us a little bit about that because I, I want that to set up the reality of you all of a sudden yeah. are dad, you have two kids and you're mm-hmm. trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a story with no end. I mean, it starts, dad passed away when I was about eight from wow. a heart attack. Um, we packed up about a year later and moved from the snowy confines of Detroit to Southern California in the sunshine and grew up in Southern California. Family of four. Mom never remarried which mm-hmm. I admire. Uh, she had her reasons. And her reasons back then were, I married your dad and nobody else. And wow. Gonna, yeah. That's a lot cool. A lot of self-sacrifice. I admire her greatly. I don't know how she did it. Um, and grew up without a dad. Became a believer when I was in junior high, or excuse me, a junior in high school. Um, I was seeking. I had two good buddies, and uh, the three of us were seeking, and all of us went in different directions of our faith. One became more Pentecostal, one was a strong Catholic, and I became kind of the Baptist of the group, the token Baptist. Amen. You know, even even invited to a church. <laughs> a good buddy of mine was a father was a pastor at a church, and he invited me to come to their church. And <laughs> I was such a doofus. Uh, and and. At the end of the sermon, I said, hey, where's Mark? And I led to me, you're at the wrong church. Oh, it, was the no. church it was the church down the street where his dad was the pastor. <laughs> so uh, that was my introduction to Christianity. Went to the wrong, sought the wrong guy. And, you yeah. know what? God works in amazing ways. Yeah. And then grew up in that church, you know, got involved in the youth group, um, went right into kind of some leadership roles, and uh, then kind of progressed through Christian college, went to a small Christian liberal arts school. Azusa Pacific, right? Azusa Pacific, which was then a college and is now a university. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but it's now a university. More money from the government. There you go. That's all Uh, it means. And uh, married, what, 36 years ago uh, to a lovely woman um, who, in spite of me, has stuck in there. She's amazing. She's beyond amazing. Um, And and, uh, just real quick, one of the things, so his wife uh, does a lot of crochet and a lot of rug making, hooking, or something like that. Uh, she's a hooker. And, and she's <laughs> she introduced she, herself that way at church the other day, which was pretty embarrassing. Hi, I'm a hooker. I'm a hooker. Um, so anyways, uh, but no, uh, three years ago, she contacts, uh, or somehow we got connected, and she taught my girls how to sew. My wife doesn't know how to sew. Um, but she taught her how to, and I loved that legacy of like, here your wife is. She never had daughters. She only had two sons, and she wanted Three to boys, pass on her heart yeah. to someone, her passion to someone. And she's sitting there investing in my girls, teaching them how to sew. I was awesome. It was amazing. Yeah, that was as fulfilling to her probably as it was to to you all, right? Oh yeah. I mean, the poor lady. If there was anyone who should have had a girl, it's her. She got three boys. Right. I'm the worst of the three. <laughs> and so if there was so for her to be able to do that, oh, that was like the greatest thing on earth for her. 
So even even moms and wives, if you're listening to this, it's okay. Um, we support that. But you also have a chance to pass on a legacy. So he, here you are. Your dad passes away. You're eight years old. And you deal with all of that. You, Christ finds you and comes and... and um, this relationship is birthed in the junior high, uh, junior year of high school. Now you're married and you start to have kids. What was that process like for you? Kind of like, holy smokes, I'm dad now, but I don't have the legacy of dad, good or bad, right. during a lot of those formative years. I mean, how, how did that affect you? Horribly. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a challenge. So, so let me go back. Without having a father, you know, I didn't have examples. You know, no one to teach me this or no one to teach. So my whole life from, what, the day he passed away up through fatherhood was I learned vicariously. I learned by observing. And none of those observations were good. I was like this sponge looking for direction. Gotcha. And so, so finding the right visual to learn from was a hit and miss at times. Because I didn't know what was the right way. What is the responsibility? So, I mean, things from learning how to play a sport or to ski or anything, no one taught me. So I had to learn. I had to figure it out. And I wasn't the best. I mean, I was born with some natural abilities. I was fortunate. But everything was, how do you work on a car? I don't know. you got to figure it out. Um, And unfortunately, I kind of had that same approach with my sons. I didn't probably take as much time to teach him certain things. You know, I, I, I listened to some of the stuff you guys talk about and coming alongside and teaching him. I didn't have the patience. Plus, I probably didn't think I knew how to teach him. Like, I'm going to screw it up. I'm going to tell him how the wrong way to, to uh, fix a tire. You know, I mean, I knew how to fix a tire. But those were, you know, I, I came into this with feeling inadequate as a father. You know, I felt inadequate as a kid growing up um, because I didn't have a father. And I just took that into... Um, my marriage, thinking, Lord, don't give me a boy. And he didn't. Oh, wow. He gave me two. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, be careful what you pray for or don't pray for. Yep. And he gave me two. The very, the very thing that was going to be the most challenging to me was, oh, boy, how do I pass on all this wonderful wisdom and experience that I don't have onto them? So I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud, but... So eight years old, eight, eight years old, your dad dies, which is traumatic in itself because life was probably somewhat, quote unquote, normal before that. I mean, you're, you're eight, so mm-hmm. things were moving on. But and then he passes away. And then I guess I would say. What what was the theme that you saw in your life from that point? And like, what was the the belief about God, about where you were in life? That you that you accepted from that point on. That I was going to be alone. Okay. Wow. Yeah, and I was going to be alone. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I remember going back and even asking my mom, "Why did you, you know, why did you not remarry?" And you go back and think, "Well, if I had a father, there was no guarantee it would have been a good situation." Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I had to deal with the cards that were, you know, dealt that I was dealt, and that was not having a dad. Now, granted, along that way, I met some great individuals who were good um, examples, not mentors, but examples, because I think not having that mentor growing up was a huge gap. Because even in when I first became a believer, the hope was I'd be mentored. Well, I was 
thrown right into leadership, even as a young Christian. Wow. So I didn't even have a chance to know Christ. Do you think that well, was a good thing or a bad thing? Bad thing. So you think the church didn't didn't do its... And no, no, I'm yeah, not, I'm not ripping apart the church, but I'm just saying... I think the individual who thought was best for me that would help him in his ministry as well, mm-hmm. and I was kind of out there. I kind of came across as I didn't need help. I'm good. I got it, right? I was, I was pretty... That's like the dad see. job description. I'm good. I got it. I got it, right? And so, and I did well at what I was doing, um, but I was missing all the substance, the foundation of my, of my faith. That wasn't built. So even all the way up through, so when I was hoping to have it built, again, I, I missed out yeah. on that foundation. So let's, let's transition to um, how that impacted you, and now your boys are 8, 9, 10 years old. And um, how did that impact you and your parenting style um, and your, uh, you know, the, and, and, you you know, we as men, we have we have these this two personalities. We have the external personality, which everyone sees and thinks we have the crap together. Mm-hmm. And then we have the internal personality where we're awake at two thirty, three o'clock in the morning and thinking to ourselves, oh, my gosh, it's one moment. And this whole thing comes tumbling down. There's one, if they find out this, or they know this, or this fear, and that's one of the things that picked up. You felt inadequate going into this parenting thing, and then uh, fear is right behind the, the feeling of inadequacy, you know? And so just what was that like for you? Now your boys are getting that age, and what were some of the things that you wrestled with? And well, then how did you overcome some of those things? You know, so for me, again, not having a father, not knowing my sense of value, you know, who I was. Was I valuable? And I looked in all the wrong places for my sense of value. Um, And there were, you know, I I cheated on my wife and we had to get through that because that's, I was vulnerable to my sense of value. I had... And recognizing even more and more, I had idols that I thought were going to bring me value, like my job. Because the one thing I knew I could do was work hard. And that would give me a sense of purpose and value. And even to this day, struggling with that. Reading a great book by Tim Keller on it and trying to get regrounded in that. Dude, Keller is such a great author. If if guys are listening to this and, and for whatever reason you're feeling maybe a nudge or a call to, to go deep into some spiritual reality. Tim Keller, I cannot recommend him and his books or his podcasts enough. Good stuff. Um, and so going back to that sense of value, I think our idols, we, we come to it thinking our idols come out of nothing. The reality is there's something behind there that produces those idols for us, you know, and, and looking for value, looking for validation. And I think the reason why so many guys struggle with their job at becoming their idol is because we are attention freaks. We long for the approval. We long for those attaboys. And in a home environment, those attaboys come 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the work world, they come every business cycle. Right. They come every yearly review or they come every quarter when we see the numbers and we either hit them or we didn't hit them. And so it's a very, and so it makes sense for us to really fall in love with the identity that we get from our jobs. The challenge is that God calls us to a different legacy and that trusting him saying, no, I want you to invest in this. Like 
like a farmer throwing seed in the ground and saying, you have no idea what's going to become six months down the road. You have no idea what's going to come 10 months, 10 years down the road, but still throw the seed and invest. And, and, and that's where I didn't recognize my responsibility to leave a legacy. I was leaving the legacy in the wrong places. It was pretty selfish. I mean, I don't consider myself narcissistic, but it was pretty selfish because I was still seeking approval out of these things out in the world. Let's talk about that for a second because I've talked to a lot of guys who their conversation goes into, well, I want to leave a financial legacy for my kids, and I want to a good name is better than honor and riches. And so if I'm a good worker, my kids will see that I'm a good worker, and they'll be good workers. Mm -hmm. But the whole time, you know, we talked about this before, and – Please speak into this because this is what we need from you. The kids start to spin off about 13. Now, I know they're in the house. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I just want to make sure that we're speaking the right language. So with that, we get about 3,000 hours a year with our kids. So those dads who are working hard from zero to 13 of their kids' lives to show them that a good name is better than honor and riches, is they've spent from 6 in the morning till 6 at night at the office trying to be the best that they can be and, and they want to do it for their kids but the world has spoken into that but we're trying to bring them back to the one degree of like I mean what's more important is speaking life into those kids horribly horribly um, wrong approach and I didn't see it until years later because you're so caught up into it I mean every every I mean I traveled a lot um, so that was times away work long hours time away uh, then trying to cram in fatherhood in between and not always quality sometimes it's just pure quantity and and then that again goes with i didn't have an example of what that was supposed to look like yeah you know should i you know at that point in my life i probably should have had more accountability i probably should have been more invested in community more invested in learning Mm. Uh, of what it meant to be a father but I was living this lie of I got it all together you know I've got it all together I don't need I'm okay I'll go to my Bible study at my my uh, uh, couples group I got it all together I live in a lie I mean a huge huge lie of my emptiness as a father or my emptiness as a son and how to pass that on to my kids I mean, was I a bad dad no I wasn't a bad dad. And my kids would say I wasn't a bad dad. My wife would say I wasn't a bad dad. But I wasn't the father I could have been at that time that I think Christ calls us to be. And it's a huge calling. It's not a it's not a lighthearted calling. It's huge. And the great thing is, it's a huge call that he gives us everything we need to right. live out that call. Right. <clears throat> um so it sounds like you, you you still, and one of the reasons why we wanted you here, like I said at the beginning, Bill and I are still in the midst of the f- battle, and a lot of the guys that are listening to this are in the midst of the battle. Your kids are out of the house. It sounds like you still wrestle with some guilt and some, um, maybe guilt's a strong word, but just some frustrations or shame or missed opportunities. If you had a chance now to speak back to Brian with kids just turning 10 or 11, or just being four or five years old, or what would you tell the Brian back then, knowing what you know today? Are you going to make me cry? I feel like I'm in <laughs> therapy right now. I'm going to break down. And so, so guilt. I mean, there is, there will forever be guilt. That's, I'm Jewish. 
that's part of my you know culture to always feel guilty oh, yeah. even though i didn't have a guilt i didn't have a mother who did that to me but i yeah, think it's, it's human I, I think it's the human condition i know guilt is right around the corner and unfortunately some religions have learned to co-opt that <laughs> very well and, I, you and know, mother I, and mother-in-laws as well and i have high, <laughs> i have a high expectations of myself yes you do my father-in-law calls me a good egg a Which good egg? A, a good egg. And he tells my wife that. They love me, so I guess I fooled them, too. <laughs> um, so, the, you know, if I, you know, gosh. Yeah, if I was a father to, my, to myself when I was a... Yeah, right? yeah, that's a good way to... Man, I'd pull myself aside and say, look, I got gotcha. you. You know, I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's so, ingr- you know, between me and my Heavenly Father and me and my, my birth father and me and my sons, it's just all interwoven yeah. of, 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 you know, what's, what's the, take time to smell the roses or something like that, or don't sweat the small, you know, don't, whatever. All don't sweat little, the roses and yeah, take time the, to smell, smell the, the small stink stuff. or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> something you know, like that. <laughs> I mean, but if you go into the Bible and you look at a lot of the stuff in Proverbs and it, you know, it's get your, you know, I got caught up in the world. I got caught up in all the things that were going to that I thought were going to make me happy. Right. Or to to Bill's point, make my family happy by provide them a nice house and nice things. In a nice community. A nice community. A nice school. And being able to do things that I wasn't able to do. Right. Right. I mean, they the stuff they've been able to do, I never was able to experience from experience level. And I'm grateful for that. But it wasn't the real important stuff. The important stuff was creating a foundation in their life. Now, granted, we went to church and probably not as active as we could have been when we moved out here from Texas. You know, we were kind of church hopping because we just couldn't find the the church that we felt solid in. Yep. And it really wasn't until recently that my son got really involved. You know, it's in a church. Yeah. Um, And he, I'm put to shame. I I mean, his pursuit of Christ is incredible. He didn't get it from me. I mean, maybe there was a seed somewhere planted there. Oh, I guarantee there was. But he's he's had a, you know, he went through his own struggles. Um, and he and I have had to have some talks about those struggles um, and things that I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of. Um, so his pursuit of Christ now as a man and watching him even as a young um, uh, husband, uh, I'm just amazed what God has been able to do in spite of me. <laughs> uh, exactly. And I think that's an important freedom check, too. In spite of not having a, a, a dad at from eight on, God still was passionate for you and still intervened yeah. and pursued you and gave you this amazing story from junior high or junior high school through. And, and in spite of us failing at those moments as a dad, he's the one that's still active. And I think those are words of encouragement, you know? You know, I, I, I think, you know, watching my sons grow up, you know, I was, a, I was an observer. I mean, I was participant. I, I did a lot with them, but I was also observing. You know, they knew right from wrong. They knew I, you know, we loved the Lord. We didn't always show it in terms of our participation in the church and be involved more actively. Um, but they grew up knowing right from wrong. You know, they have a solid family, solid mom and dad, solid cousins, just, a, you know, that support around yeah. them. So that, that was really helpful in developing that foundation for them. You know, I, I, a couple of questions come to mind. You know, I was, uh, Travis had shared this with me a couple of weeks ago, but they, he talked about the fatherless generation. I'm going to read a couple of statistics. 43% of children in the U.S. right now today live without their father. 
90% of homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists motivated with displaced anger come from fatherless homes. These are all statistics from different places that we can get cited for you. If you're like, well, th- th- these are actually real statistics. That's that what I'm actually saying right now, <laughs> just so you guys know. Um, 71% of pr- pregnant teenagers lack a father. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. So what I'm saying is, A, you beat the odds. Brian, you beat the odds, which is awesome. It's huge. Um, and so I guess what I'm saying, I, I have two questions that come to mind as we're kind of wrapping things up, but, and, and, w- and we can ask more questions. But I have two questions that I'd love to ask you. First one is, if, if you could share with, with a dad now mm. who is fathering through the void, and when I mean the void, the void of not having a dad, what would you say to them? What would you say to them? Uh, you know, for me, you really got to get into the Word. Um, you really got to see the example of Christ and how he shepherded and how he was Lord and how he um, was a father to probably a lot of others back then who were fatherless. You know, his example, his That's words, his point. love. Wow. Um, he is the example of, of grace and redemption and uh, reconciliation and setting boundaries. I mean, he, he really is a great example. I think the other is you got to have you got to have community. You've got to have accountability. Mm-hmm. You can't do it alone. There are other men out there who share the same issues and the same fears. And to not feel alone like you got it, you should be able to do it on your own, that's, that's a lie. I don't know there's a, if there's a single man out there, even if he had the greatest father himself, knows all the answers. Wow. And, and then, you know, the others allow, you know, you know I'm, I'm talking to myself here, but don't be so hard on yourself as a dad. Um, there are going to be mistakes. That's good. I mean, my boys went through mistakes, and I had to bail them out of situations. They were learning experiences, right, for me as a dad, for them as kids. Um, I mean, I also told them at some point, I go, look, you know, I know you're a, a Christian, but they also, for me, I have to also understand that they have to work out their own faith, that their faith in God can't be through me either, that I'm a father, I'm there for a moment, for a time in their life, but eventually that relation with Christ has to be their own. It can't be based on what mom and dad said yeah. or what mom and dad did. Uh, I was able to see that in my son when he got married. Um, if I may, you can edit this later if you want. Um, but at, at the reception, I said, you know, you know, I remember the night my son uh, came home in a diaper where he and his buddy were running through the neighborhood in diapers as a joke. <laughs> How old was he? He was... How old was he? I think he was... 13 that's awesome <laughs> right well that's just that's once awesome. that's just one story of his getting and then i i juxtaposed it that's a big word juxtaposed three i juxtaposed it against another that's member. the big word of the day no I, I i i compared it to another event months prior to them getting married where we were at the church and a bunch of fifth graders came running up to him like their best friend was in town because mm. gregory had been away for a few months up in Denver where he moved to be with his bride or bride to be. Um, they weren't living together. Um, and, but they came running up to him. Like they were his, he was their dad. Like he was, and I like, man, that's my son. He's grown up. That's cool. He's become a man. And even when he was in the church and he was being mentoring, which I love about the church is the mentoring process. I looked at his mentor. I said, look, dude, um, my days are done. He's yours now. That's the handoff. Wow. Yeah, it was a handoff. It was a really emotional, like, he's your guy. Take care of him. I, 
You know, I know you will. But I think my, my relationship now with my son is different. And it's not over. I mean, I'm yeah. not done parenting. Yeah. I'm hoping he feels like he can come to me as an adult. Hey, Dad, I'm struggling with this. I'm hoping that both of them can. You know, I, I'm talking about one, but I really feel the same way about both. Um, that's my hope is my parenting hasn't finished. That's cool. And that, that kind of leads to the second question. What would you say to the dad who, who's beyond the kids in the house and is like just waking up to realize, oh, my gosh, I didn't do it. I what I should have, what would you, what, what kind of encouragement would you say to those guys? Well, I don't think it's ever too late. It's never too late. I mean, that's it. it yeah. You, you can't Woo. recover from what wasn't, but you can build on from what, where you're at now. It's a different relationship probably. And it may be even having some heart wrenching discussions to kind of clear the air. So having, the having the balls to say, to have a real like talk about, Hey, yeah. I mean, my worst fear is I was going to walk in here today. My son was going to be sitting here and, I was going to have to listen to all the failures, and he was going to have to, like, share with me. You blew it here, Dad. I mean, he's already I, kind of told me that, <laughs> but I thought maybe it was going to be live. Dude, I'm telling you, I, I think <laughs> next time he's in town, let us know, because I would love No, I won't. No, I won't <laughs> let you know. <laughs> I'll talk to your wife. I'll, I'll figure it out. But I, I think it would be fascinating to have a follow-up podcast to this, a follow-up conversation where you have a chance. Yeah. Where we have a chance to hear that conversation and can I see talk to him beforehand just to make yeah, well, sure? Yeah, yeah, you can, okay. yeah. I'm not going to throw it on him. Like he loves to embarrass me, so I just <laughs> want to let you know that. I, I think to, to summarize, the, the big points for me are um, first and foremost, God is the Father that we should look to. Jesus is the Father we should look to for our ultimate example. Whether we were given a legacy or we had a missing legacy or we had a broken legacy from our own dads, it's never too late to sit at the feet of the creator of the universe and say, all right, what does it mean to be dad? How did you do it? And how are you calling me with my unique story and my unique gifts to be dad now? Um, and the second thing is Satan loves to use guilt, loves to trick us and lie to us and tell us, you know, your failure, you're screwing this up tap out just invest in the things that you can control you can't control your kids it's gonna be it's just easier and, and i think you know again the reminder is no it's never too late mm -hmm. today is a day it's a new day step into the awkward with your family step into the awkward with your wife step into the awkward with your kids step into the awkward with your your heavenly father and and start something new today brian thank you so much for being here and being a part of this um Man, the, the, the things you said, the wisdom you said is awesome. Uh, I love that you pressed into the lie that you were alone and realized you're not alone. I know that that takes a lot. But for those dads out there who are walking through it, I think this was such encouragement. It's encouragement to me and no to Travis. And so we're thankful for you, man. Thank you for what you do. Thanks. And I appreciate you sharing your heart today. Thanks. Have a great day, guys. Thanks for listening to By Dads for Dads on the Known Legacy Podcast. Look for us on social media under Known Legacy or go to www.knownlegacy.org to stay connected. For booking or questions, email us at info at